hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Want to retire yesterday, but have nothing saved or invested today? Or do you just have enough money saved to be able to retire for one whole day? This is a common situation in the LGBTQ community. So today on Queer Money episode number 310, we're sharing with you the nine steps to take to retire soon, if not sooner. Then take the first step towards financial independence by paying off your credit card debt. Get your free copy of the seven-step credit card debt slasher at QueerMoneyPodcast.com. Now on with the show. You're listening to the Queer Money Podcast, personal finance with a rainbow twist. Queer Money is dedicated to financial independence, financial well-being, investing knowledge, and the intersection of all things money as an LGBTQ person. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today. Gainbridge sponsors the best, including the Indiana Pacers, Indiana Fever, Indiana 500, and the Queer Money Podcast. That's because Gainbridge believes dedication is an essential component of success in every community. Visit Gainbridge.life today. Stop me. Oh, ho, ho. Stop me. Stop me. If you think that you've heard this one before, now that we all know David can't sing. (laughs) (laughs) And you probably have heard us say this before, because it's a question we continue to get over and over and over again. The question of how do I retire yesterday when I have nothing saved today? And more often than not, it's typically coming to us from gay men, usually in their 50s or 60s, who haven't planned at all or enough for retirement, and now they're scared. Right. So we get this question a lot, and we've tackled this question a couple of different ways. But today we're coming at it with a slightly, a couple of slight unique angles to hopefully help folks do their emergency retirement savings. Yeah. And the reality is, I think that many of us, we put off things that we know we need to do because they're so far away or we think that they're so far away. I mean, this is a common thing. Retirement always seems like it's so far away. So we don't need to plan for it. We have plenty of time. And then suddenly. Right. And ah, then all of a sudden it's there. Uh, This is a phenomenon called known as hyperbolic discounting. It's the inclination that we choose immediate rewards over that rewards such as later in life, even when those immediate rewards sooner are smaller. Yeah. So I think one of the important things to remember is that that there are a lot of folks who are in this situation or can be feel like they're in a desperate situation. So John and I are going to try to leave the drama on the stage and to the movie stars, those who really know how to do the drama well. And we're going to try to take a, a very pragmatic look at this question. How do you think about retirement when you feel desperate, right? One of the other things to remember is that there are going to be some things that we say in this episode that are somewhat tough love, right? If you have waited, if you have have put off this decision to do what you know you should have done for a long time, it can feel like it's judgment. Well, 
the reality is it's not judgment. These are just the facts. You've 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 put it off, right? And so let's let's address that and see what we can do. Right. We're we're for to answer this question, we're really in an emergency situation, right? So it can't be all touchy feely, right? It can't be kumbaya. It's we got to take some action. We got to take some immediate action now. And this kind of reminds me of David and I are going through all of the uh, and this episode is, isn't going to be published until after the Oscars, but we're in the middle of watching all the Oscar nominated movies or as many as we can. And one of the movies that we watched was Don't Look Up. And I know that was about global warming. And because of the timing, it's also somewhat accidentally (laughs) about the the COVID pandemic. But David and I saw so many parallels in that movie to our messaging of trying to get more LGBTQ people to prepare financially if for no other reason than for retirement. And it's, it's it kind, of, kind of feels like we keep saying, screaming from the mountaintops, prepare, beware, let's do something about it. Um, and unfortunately, <laughs> sometimes it feels like we're not actually connecting with people. So that's why we're, we're, tr- we're trying to tackle this a, a little bit differently than we maybe have before. And also we're going to get a little bit serious about some things. So and, and for those of you who are on the path to financial independence and you have been preparing, remember that there are a lot of folks in the community who, who haven't or who aren't preparing. So use this as an opportunity to maybe gather some tips that you can share when these kinds of things come up in conversation, or you see somebody who may be in this situation where they are struggling, wanting to retire. So this is our nine-step plan. And for most people, we suggest following it through this order of sequence, go through these nine steps. I mean, and for some people, uh, the last two steps may or may not be appropriate, but if you do have access to the last two steps, um, you definitely want to take advantage of those. So make sure you listen to the end. So kind sir, do you want to kick us off? Step number one. Sure. Step number one is one that everyone should do, whether you are on the path to financial independence or you've put off retirement planning or saving altogether. And that is to go to ssa.gov forward slash my account. And you want to check your my account and account balance. What's interesting here is you're going to get a picture of what you will likely get, not guaranteed, but you will likely get when it comes to retirement. I just went on the site right before we recording this episode. And I was taking a look at what I'm getting. And I was taking a look at what John is getting. And it's very interesting. The numbers for me are quite surprising. If I retire in roughly 16 years or so, almost, yeah, almost 16 years. Do the um, math and figure out how old he is. (laughs) Right. At age 67, I would get $1,955. Now, I don't know about you, but a person living today on $1,955 a month would be struggling, right? That is less than $24,000 a year. That is below the poverty line in the United States, right? So keep in mind that if you haven't planned for retirement or you think that social security is going to be your saving grace, you may want to think again, but it is an important first step for everyone to take. So you do have a clear picture of what the possibilities are. It's really important to remember that this is kind of your foundational piece if you haven't been planning for retirement, and then you can add on to it. If you have been planning for retirement, then this potentially is the gravy that will be on top of the retirement planning you've been doing. Yeah. I think it's important to remember that social security was never meant to be the all that you would need to rely on in retirement. It was really just meant to augment other retirement savings. When this was created, of course, most people were getting pensions. And the idea was that this was going to complement pension retirement plans, but pensions have disappeared and social security hasn't really upped its game. Right. So that's 
why we're part of why we're having this conversation today. Right. And remember, Social Security is supposed to be a safety net, right? No one likes going to the circus and watching the acrobats fall onto the safety well, net, I don't know. right? Kind of and I don't, I mean, it is entertaining in, in that aspect, <laughs> as long as but, you're safe. but nobody likes it if that's where they spend all of their time, whether you are observing it, or I'm sure if you're the acrobat, right? So none of us want to solely rely on social security and be at that safety net level. Okay. Step number two, and this is something that we walk people through the credit card payoff course in the very first section, start cutting expenses. You're in a critical situation now. And so there's a good chance, especially those of us who are in our 40s and 50s and 60s, we've acquired a, a level of standard of living right. that maybe we can't afford anymore. Maybe we never could, but now is now is the time to say, okay, what is it that I can afford? Um, you know, many expenses are not necessities that many expenses that we've added to our, our monthly budget are not necessities. It may feel like they are. We may have forgotten what life was like without <laughs> those things. Think of all the expenses that you have today that you your parents didn't have, or that you didn't have even 20, 30 years ago. Now they almost seem like they're necessities today and they're simply not. Um, And so now it's time to get super serious about what expenses you do need to keep and what expenses you can get rid of so that you can have available that much more money to fund your retirement or to tackle the other seven steps we're going to discuss later. Right. And remember when you are planning for retirement or you are putting money aside, you are setting money aside for your necessities tomorrow right? That's the whole purpose of retirement planning is so you have money to cover your necessities. And so when you're thinking about how you're reducing your expenses, think about, do I want to just pay for necessities today and the fund today and not have any money for the necessities tomorrow? Or do I want to plan for the necessities today and tomorrow and then have some money left over for fun? Because if you do it the second way, you're going to have money for fun on both sides. Yeah. I think it's about thinking about what it is you truly want. And you know, I'll bring up the latte factor because it gets beat up a lot. But the idea there was, is that latte really so delicious and so necessary that you're willing to get it every single day (laughs) and sacrifice where you're going to be allowed to or be able to live when you're 60 or 70. I get it. Like sometimes that, that, that latte seems like the most important thing in the world. I think John wants to go get a latte when we're done with <laughs> well, this. Well, David made half our coffee today. So I, and I wasn't prepared for that, but you know, whatever the, you know, that, that's just an, you know, it can be an analogy for it, for anything, right? What is the thing that you don't necessarily need in your life every single day, but you buy it every single day or you spend your money on it every single day. And is it really going to outweigh the benefit of what you where you could live when you're older or the type of care you get when you're older and you need somebody to help take care of you. Right. It reminds me, and I know we've dropped this reference before, but the reference from Golden Girls where, where Rose is talking about the woman who is now a bag lady that used to be, I think, lived in their neighborhood. And she said, what, what was so different about what she did? Well, the difference was that they had something set aside or were planning for retirement to a certain degree. Right. So we don't want you to end up like the bag lady. Right. Nope. All right. Number three, it may be time to rethink your retirement date, right? For some folks, we get set on this idea of I'm going to retire at this age, or I want to retire at this age. And we keep thinking about that age, but we're not thinking about the planning. So it may be 
time to rethink when it is you're going to retire. It may be important for you to plan on working an additional couple of years or maybe even five years, especially if you're physically able to. Right? If you are physically able to, you're going to want to think about how do I extend my working career? We know right now we're in the great resignation and lots of people are hopping from job to job to job. And so this may be the opportunity for you to get to a better paying job. But the most important thing here is if you're going to continue to work, if you choose to do this, then you're, you absolutely want to make sure that you are taking some of that money and you are putting it into a retirement savings plan that your employer sponsors because you want to get that free money from your employer. The company and, match. Right. If you're not working at a company that gives you company match and you're this late in your career, it may be time to Bounce. say, right, it may be time to say, I need to get to a different job. And that would be one, one excuse to go to your employer and say, either you need to give me a raise or I need to switch to a job where I get, where I get some employer match because this simply isn't cutting it when it comes to me planning for retirement. Well, and I think that's sort of one of the underlying reasons why we're going through the great resignation is that people are looking at the return that they're getting on their job. And some people are saying, this is a garbage return, right? You're basically just helping me live from paycheck to paycheck, but you're not taking care of other necessities that I have in life either now or that I'm going to need in the future. And if you're working for a company that doesn't provide a company-sponsored retirement plan, and they're thinking that you're going to rely 100% on social security when social security is not going to be reliable for you, you got to bounce. And then here's part of the tough love thing, right? You might have been in this job for company for 10, 15, 20 years, and it might be hard to leave, but you got to worry about your safety and security. And if your right. employer is not going to do that, you got to go. Yeah, I mean, they're not obviously that committed to you. Don't be more committed to them than they are to you. Right. Number four, monetize something, anything that you're already doing that you can generate an additional income to offset your expenses. So we, we talk a lot about on the Queer Money Podcast about becoming full or part-time entrepreneurs. And that sounds scary. Most of us have a hobby. We're doing something. We have a skill, a, a craft. We're creative in some way, shape, or form that we can figure out a way to monetize that. Even just 10, 50, 20 bucks a week, 100 bucks a week, hundred bucks a month, whatever. That is that much more money that you have available to help offset any expenses that you can't cut, or even that much more money that you can put into sort of an Acorns account, right? And start investing or putting into a Roth IRA, which we'll talk more about later. There are just many, many, many ways that you can do this. And I think when we say become an entrepreneur or create a side hustle, that's, that sounds a little bit scary. And it's not actually as scary as it sounds. We highly suggest that you listen to two other Queer Money podcasts. The first one is with Daniela Flores, episode 233. They talk about a myriad different things that you can do as side hustles that are easy to, to get into. And then also, we recently just interviewed and published episode 303 of the Queer Money Podcast with Tom Brickman. He talked about how he flips products. I have to tell you, I was blown away by what he's doing and how he's able to generate extra money for himself. And don't forget, he used that, that side hustle that he created for himself as a way to save seed money to start his real estate investing empire, which now he has 18 doors that he's got cash flow from and appreciation from. And granted, he started this all of this when he was in his early 20s, but it doesn't mean it's not something that you can do today. Tons of people are doing it and it's as available to you as it is to anybody else. Right. I think the important thing to remember about number three and four is this is where you're putting your foot to the gas on making more money 
at the end of your working career so that you can pay for those necessities in the future, right? Whether it's you are going to extend out your working career or you're going to extend out your working career and get a side hustle, or you have some money set aside for retirement and you just want to have that side hustle or part-time job. One of the important things to remember is that in retirement, one of your biggest expenses is going to be healthcare. I think the last time I saw the statistics says that the average person will spend about $280,000 from the time they retire to the time they leave this earth in money that they have to spend in healthcare. That's a huge amount of money. Trying to figure out how to offset those expenses is really important, whether it's money that you've saved or a part-time job where you get healthcare benefits. This is really where you need to be thinking about what are those necessities that I will need for the future and how can I pay for them today? All right, point number five is to pay off as much debt as possible. When you retire, we are seeing actually seeing statistics today that are showing more and more and more folks are retiring with massive amounts of mortgage debt, large amounts of student loan debt, and lots of personal debt in the form of credit cards, equity lines of credit. They've done all of these things to make their lives bigger and better, but they are retiring with a lot of debt. Retiring with a lot of debt is just going to continue the stress that you have, especially because your income in retirement is most likely going to stay fixed. It's not going to be growing a lot. So if your debt isn't paid for before you retire, you're going to struggle. You're going to find that you're going to be concerned about how am I going to pay for all of this stuff? How am I going to pay for these credit card bills, these student loans, all of these things, right? And that's why we want to remind you to go get the seven-step credit card debt slasher. That tool is the tool that we is, outlines the steps that we took to pay off our credit card debt. And credit card debt is going to be one of the most stressful debts that you have if you carry that into retirement. Capital One strives to inspire a better financial path for everyone, including the LGBTQ community, through access to credit, tools to manage debt, and product features. Digital products such as CreditWise and Eno are designed to take the stress out of money by helping you manage credit, a key source of potential stress, and stay on top of spending without worrying all the time. Sign up for CreditWise for free today. Heard a rumor about annuities? Cut out the noise by visiting Queer Money podcast sponsor Gainbridge at gainbridge.life to learn more. Okay, my prelude to step number six is that if it's good enough for Blanche Devereaux, it's good enough for you, it's good <laughs> enough for us. And that is house hack a duplex or rent out a room in a house or apartment you're already living in. So house hacking, as, as many of you already know, is where you own a multi-unit living property and you live in one of those units and other people or someone else lives in the other property and they all pay you. And if everything works out according to your favor, then they're pretty much covering your mortgage and maybe even some of your other living expenses. If that seems a little bit too hard or the barrier to entry is a little bit too high, no worries. If you've got spare rooms in your current apartment or your current house, just like Rue McClanahan did on Golden Girls, <laughs> you can rent those rooms out. <laughs> We've done this in the past ourselves. We may do it again. It's something that's available to us that I don't think many people think is available to us. And I think one of the struggles is that, especially if you've been living alone for the last several years, couple of decades, the idea of having somebody else come into your house, it's kind of, it feels like they're encroaching on your territory. And that might be, but we're in an emergency situation here, right? So we want to do whatever we can to help prepare us to be able to have the retirement that we want. 
Yeah. And the reality is, is that a lot of folks are actually getting on their path to retirement or their, their financial independence path by starting house hacking early on in their lives, right? We know individuals who have, we actually know of someone who slept on their couch while other people slept in the one bedroom that they had in their, their apartment so that they could basically reduce their living expenses to the point where they were able to set aside more money. Now that's an extreme measure maybe you don't want to take it to that extreme level, but the whole idea here is offloading one of your biggest expenses before you retire or even in retirement, which is your living, your housing, offloading some of that to someone else will help you be able to set more money aside for retirement. I'm going to give a prelude to step number seven. And that is if you already own the home you're currently living in and you are with a long-term partner and you're not married, you definitely want to make sure that you put them on the deed as a joint tenant with rights of survivorship. That way, if you were to pass away before they do, they have some housing and some extra financial security that they might not have available to them if you don't put them on as joint tenant with rights of survivorship or you're not married. And the reverse, right? If you're not married and you've been living in someone else's place for a long time, talk to them about, is this what you really want? If we are committed to each other, maybe I should be listed as a joint owner on this place. If something happens to you, then it can come to me. But pretty much the the best solution here is if you've been with someone for long-term, step number seven is to get married. We did an episode uh, 54 talking about the thousands of benefits that come to individuals who do get married. Many of those benefits are tax-related benefits, but there are some social security benefits that come into play here. The social security survivor and spousal benefits. These are benefits that only apply to individuals who are married. And it's amazing the difference in what someone can get financially and in the form of social security, if their partner their, their spouse passes away. And you want to go back and listen to that episode, but John and I did just did a little quick calculation beforehand. And if I were to pass away before John in he would get anywhere from roughly about $75 to $150 more a month because we are married when we retire. So now that may not seem like a whole lot of money, but in the future, that is going to be a significant amount of money when you are not earning a lot of extra money. So please consider getting married. And getting married was one of David's best decision in his whole entire life. <laughs> right. And remember, you don't need to drop $25,000 on a fancy wedding. Just going down to the county or city courthouse and filing for marriage and getting your marriage license, that's really, really cheap. You get those benefits and you don't even have to tell anybody right, that you are married. Just make sure that you get that document that proves that you are actually wed and that will help you out financially. Yeah. I think the cost for most sitting county buildings is like 50 to a hundred dollars at most, right. um, which is, is a great return on your investment, especially if you end up tapping into those social security survivor and spousal benefits. Right. So the last two points that we're going to talk about here are, these are ones for individuals who most likely have a little bit saved. And the strategies here is to think about that long-term and how you can plan for it. Don't exclude yourself if you don't have anything saved, but really, this is really for those who maybe have a hundred, couple hundred thousand dollars saved, but that they know that that still is not enough for their full retirement time period. Exactly. So step number eight is to start transferring company-sponsored retirement dollars, such as 
money that's in a 403b, 401k, et cetera, start transferring some money annually into a Roth IRA. This is what's called a Roth conversion ladder. And we dove in deeply with about that strategy with Brandon on episode 308, just two episodes prior to this one, about how to do that and why you want to do that. So if you have a company-sponsored retirement plan or you have money in it, that type of an account, we definitely suggest that you consider doing this Roth conversion ladder and listen to episode 308 to find all the reasons why you want to do that and how to do that. Right. And you know what's interesting about this is Roth conversion ladders will allow you or potentially allow you to delay when you take Social Security. Now, when I looked at the difference between if I took Social Security at age 67, when I could retire, or I delayed it by just three years, three years, that's all I would delay it. The difference was almost $500 a month, right? So if you're able to figure out a strategy like doing a Roth conversion ladder or Roth conversions so that you have money to live off of between the ages of 67 and 70 or whatever those ages are when you're at retirement age, that can be a massive addition to helping you live a much better life in retirement. That extra $500 a month, even today, all of us would love to have an extra $500 a month. If you're living on a fixed income, having an extra $500 a month is huge. Huge, yeah. It'd be huge today. I wouldn't mind that. Right. Send me $500. Right. It's (laughs) it's almost roughly about 25% more, right? And so how would you like to get a 25% raise? just because you had to delay taking retirement by three years. years. Yeah, that'd be totally worth it, especially, and that's what Roth conversion ladder can possibly help you do. Right. The last one here, step number nine, really focuses on end of life for the most part, and that is to buy the right kind of and the right amount of insurance. There's a lot of different types of insurance out there, but these are really kind of focused on that end of life, end of life care, not only for yourself, but for your spouse or the person you're with, right? So life insurance with a death benefit rider, why do you want that? Well, one of the important things that you can take from life insurance with a death benefit rider is at the end of your life, those very late stages, if for whatever reason you have a terminal illness or you end up in hospice, there are ways to pull money out of your life insurance that would allow you to cover those costs so that you can take care of those costs in an easier manner. So you're not stressing about the financial aspects during that time period. You want to listen to episode number 19 of the Queer Money Podcast. We dove deeply into life insurance for LGBTQ people, and we talked uh, pretty heavily about uh, death benefit riders, how they work and how they can benefit you. And then the last one in this idea of buying the right type of insurance is long-term care insurance. It's something that a lot of us don't really think about until it's too late. But the sweet spot, according to, hmm, I'm forgetting his name. Last name is Taylor. Anyway, episode 71 of the Queer Money Podcast. Go back and listen to that episode. But the sweet spot that he shared was somewhere between the ages of about 40 and 55 to start thinking about what long-term care insurance would look like. Long-term care insurance would be the kind of care insurance that would take care of you or pay for things when you are in, say, for example, an assisted care facility. You're no longer able to take care of yourself in all of the aspects of your life. You need assistance that kind of care can be taken care of through long-term care insurance. This is the exact type of conversations the Alton Schneiders are having in the house of DFG right now. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of insurance do we need? So those are our nine steps for preparing for retirement. If you haven't prepared for retirement and you want to do it 
yesterday. Those nine steps again are check your my account account at ssa.gov, start cutting expenses ruthlessly, rethink retirement. When you retire, you might have to work five, 10 years longer than you were originally thinking. But if you do so, make sure you're giving yourself access to a company-sponsored retirement plan. Four, monetize something, anything that you're doing to bring in extra money and offset your expenses. Five, pay off as much debt, especially that high interest rate credit card debt as fast as possible. Six, you want a house hack, a duplex, or rent out rooms in something that you're currently living in. Seven, you want to get married, make sure that you have the right things in place to make sure assets transfer from person to person when one of you passes away. Eight, start transferring money from a company-responsored retirement plan or an IRA into a Roth to set yourself up to be able to withdraw that money earlier. And then nine, buy the right kind and the right amount of insurance. Now stay tuned for your career money takeaway from this episode. Make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at CapitalOne.com. That's CapitalOne.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Career Money Podcast. Here's your takeaway from this episode. We've said it before. We're going to say it again. You're going to retire someday. You can retire on your own terms or someone else's. We think we know which you'd prefer. If you'd prefer to retire on your own terms, then start taking action today, no matter how old or how young you are. Then join us next week when we share a tax strategy for folks who don't make a lot of money to be able to still free up money to set aside for retirement. Finally, the sooner you pay off credit card debt, the sooner you can reach financial security. Mm. Get the free seven-step credit card debt slasher at queermoneypodcast.com, and we'll talk with you next week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.